0: What's up, guys? Chris Avery with you on a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly. Last week was all about free agency, so this week we got to get back to the draft. Jordan Reed of the Draft Network is my guest. We're going to talk the cornerback position today, the pecking order in the first round, tight end prospects, plus who Jordan has going to the Chargers as of today at number 13 overall. It was a great conversation. So, without further ado, here's Jordan Reed. One of the best in this business. Jordan, I appreciate your time, man. How you doing?
1: I'm good. Uh, I'm in my car, but I made it. I'm excited to be here with you, Chris.
0: Well, it's draft season, so it's, it's a busy time. <laughs> what's, what's the last couple of weeks been like with with pro days and and just getting ready for the draft?
1: Um, it's been crazy. You know, uh, with so many things so different this year, you know, with the lack of information that a lot of area scouts have and the media is lacking a lot of information as well, it's been It's been a bit of a crapshoot so far, but we're starting to see some things materialize now. Things are starting to return to a bit of normalcy as well, which is helping a lot of people right now.
0: So your top 50, how difficult has it been to put this top 50 together in comparison to other seasons?
1: It's been a little different just because, you know, we got a limited sample size as far as guys that played this year. And there were some guys that opted out. This year, So there's been some players like Benay Sewell, Jamar Chase, and Michael Parsons, who we didn't see at all last year. So you have to go back and really study their 2019 tape, but also it feels like so long ago since we saw some of those guys, but 2020 did help a lot. It was really good to see the guys return to the field. Kudos to college football to get a lot of those games in, and we actually had a national championship this year, So, which is a great thing for all of us as evaluators.
0: So I want to base this conversation off your top 50, Jordan, and let's just start at the cornerback position. So some developments have happened with Caleb Farley. It looks like he won't be available until maybe July in training camp with back surgery. Um, How does that affect the cornerback position in the draft? Obviously, you got Sertan, J.C. Horn, who I know is a favorite of yours. Um, How are you ranking those DBs at the moment?
1: Well, the tough part from a media standpoint is that we always don't have the access that the NFL teams do to the medicals and the background checks and things of that nature. So that makes things a little bit tougher on us. And then, you know, you kind of panic a little bit when you hear things about Caleb Farley with the back injury. This is the second back surgery. Now he missed a couple games in the back half of the 2019 season. So that will be red flag by some teams there's going to be he might not even be on some teams boards just because of the medical situations and you know we can just go based off of the talent from the media perspective and he was my first cornerback on the board he is my favorite this year J.C. Horn is right on his heels right now but if both of those guys were running to the finish line uh, it wouldn't surprise me if J.C. does end up passing him so um, I don't think you're going to go wrong with any three of these guys at the top and I know the Chargers definitely need help at cornerback that's going to be a position that they're looking for as a primary need but if they were to select any three of those guys at the 13th overall pick, I don't think they could go wrong with any of those guys.
0: You mentioned a few guys that you would jump on the table for JC Horn was one of them. What makes him so special? And and how do you think he would fit in a a Brandon Staley type defense?
1: Well, I'll just answer your first question. Um, The the thing that I love the most about JC and just getting to know him a little bit uh, through the process, I actually talked to him when he opted out of the season, he had some, Family circumstances that were going on, I believe his aunt passed away from COVID. So that was one of the biggest reasons why he did opt out. So hearing him just be open about that uh, was a connection that we were able to make. Of course, the NFL bloodlines that he has with his father, Joe Horn, who was a very successful wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. And I said, just promise me this, whenever you get drafted, just whip out that cell phone that he had. and (laughs) (laughs) That made him smile a little bit. But it, it was really good to see him go out and have some success. At the Pro Day today, him running a 4.39 and jumping 43 and a half in the vertical and then 1-1 in the broad was huge for his draft stock. But just the
0: bloodlines, I think the upside that he has is just phenomenal. And then you talk about the secondary that the Chargers currently have, a pretty young secondary, Mike Davis on one side, Derwin James on the other. I look at Farley, Horn, and Sertan. All of these guys I feel like could be a good fit. How far is the gap between Sertan and, and then the other two, Farley and Horn?
1: Well, you know, Farley is probably going to be, I wouldn't say a good distance away. He's probably going to be the third guy now just because of the medical situation. But he would be right he would be right in the mix if he was healthy, um, if he didn't have any medical red flags or anything of that nature. But Sertan, similar to Horn, a player that has fantastic bloodlines. His dad was a very successful cornerback for the Miami Dolphins and also the Kansas City Chiefs. But he's that big corner that you love to see, uh, which was what Brandon uh, Staley had when he was with um, the LA Rams and you know Jalen Ramsey and some of these other guys that he had with the Rams, that versatile type of defense and everything starts in the secondary. He runs a lot of versatile coverages, which is something that Patrick Sertan did. And we both know it's very difficult to start for Nick Saban down at Alabama. And that's exactly what he did. He was the 2020 SEC Defensive Player of the Year the first time in a very long time since that happened for a defensive back. So, I mean, he has unlimited upside, just like J.C. Horn and then also Farley as well.
0: You know, we were looking at uh, Northwestern's Pro Day uh, a week or two ago, and obviously Rashawn Slater was the headliner, but Greg Newsom, the DB there, uh, his rise in potentially the first round, maybe the second, what makes him part of that conversation? Maybe he's in that second tier behind those three? Yeah, I would say he's
1: probably the fourth guy right now. He's the fourth guy on my board right now. See, before I think he's my uh, 24th overall prospect, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm a big fan of him. I really noticed him this past season. Um, I think his best game of the year was against Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. And he only played in the first half. But Justin Fields did not look his way at all. So he had a lot of respect for him. And he actually gave up the least amount of yards of any cornerback that had 20 plus targets this year so there was a lot of teams that had a lot of respect for him the quickness the awareness and just the savvy that he plays at the position that's something that stands out the most about greg Newsome the second
0: so we talked db's offensive line has been a big topic of conversation in la and, and obviously the chargers they took care of the interior with corey lindsley and matt filer and free agency but we look at the tackle position and the way the board may shake out you're 13 overall i could envision maybe Four quarterbacks going before thirteen, and that may push some talent to the Chargers. If we're just talking offensive line, uh, how would you assess this class? I, I almost think there could be three or four guys at thirteen that the Chargers would jump at.
1: So for the Chargers, the more quarterbacks that go early, the better, just because they're going to get a lot of talent to get pushed down the board to them. And we're talking about players like I don't think Panay Sule was going to be there. I'd be really surprised if he was there at thirteen, but. Christian Derrissow, I think, would be a player that would be a fantastic fit. He'd be a great fit right at the left tackle spot, which is where they have a huge need at right now. Rashawn Slater, of course, which we just mentioned, he can slide inside or he can play outside. I think he can play either or. I graded him as a tackle. He's my second favorite behind. Pene Sewell right now. I think he's very worthy of a top 15 selection. And then you're getting on to your later down the line guys like a Jalen Mayfield, um, uh, Liam Eichenberg, and then some other players of that nature as well. So I think this is a very deep offensive tackle class as a whole, but the great thing for the Chargers is that there's four quarterbacks or possibly even five with Mac Jones now entering into the equation as a potential top 15 pick. That's going to be great for the Chargers. And this this entire offseason needs to be centered around just fixing everything around Justin Herbert and just building it up to where he can have the most protection and the most, most weapons possible. But I think it will be very wise for them to invest at an offensive tackle spot with that 13th overall selection.
0: And then another guy you said you jump on the table for, Elijah Vera Tucker, Uh, he had his pro day on Wednesday, and this is a guy who showed out at the guard position and then also got some snaps at left tackle this year, so to get that on tape, how much do you think that will benefit him in this process, being able to show out at both positions, showing that versatility that NFL teams love?
1: Well, I will say this. I wish, I know Brandon Staley wishes he could just bring him on over. He doesn't have to move very far if he comes over to the Chargers. I think Barrett Barrett Tucker would be a fantastic addition at guard or tackle. I like him at both. I graded him as my top interior offensive lineman just because he has some of those things as far as um, just the savvy at the position, the awareness. I think he always stays on balance, and he's just so aware at the position very heady, something that he kept mentioning over and over in his Zoom interview with the media a couple of days ago, where he feels as if he can play offensive tackle, but there's a lot of teams that feel as if he has a little bit more upside along the interior, just because of how, how strong he is and just how tough he isn't aware he is at the position as well.
0: So you mentioned this should be all centered around Herbert, whether it's protecting him or getting him weapons. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, you bring in Jared Cook, but, but let's just say at 13 overall, uh, one of these wide receivers is available. Um, I doubt Kyle Pitts will be there at 13, but yeah. I, is there a prospect who you would say you got to take him. You got to get another weapon. You got to outscore Kansas city um, at 13 overall, that would lead you to bypass maybe corner or offensive line.
1: Jalen Waddle probably would be that guy just because I think he opens up your offense so much. And, I went back and forth with him and Jamar Chase as my top overall receiver, but I like putting myself in the shoes of a defensive coordinator and thinking, who would I hate to game plan against the most? And I think Jalen Waddle is that type of guy just because he has the elite speed, very competitive at the catch point, and a lot of fast receivers are compared to Tyreek Hill as far as his playing style, and I think Jalen Waddle definitely is a guy that is worthy, just trying to paint a picture of what he could be on the next
0: level. Yeah, you look at Mike Williams, you get the jump ball guy, you get the route runner, Keenan Allen, you got Austin Eckler out of the backfield, yeah. and then the speedster <laughs> and Jalen Waddle could complete that wide receiving core. Um, hey, if we are looking at tight end, and we know Kyle Pitts is far and away, tight end one, uh, the Chargers lose Hunter Henry, but they get Jared Cook uh, for the future. Uh, are there some tight end prospects in maybe, let's say the second or third round that, that you're pretty high on?
1: Yeah, there's a couple. Um, They're both in the ACC. Tommy Trimble from Notre Dame. He's one that's probably going to go, I would say, late second, early third round. Um, Dynamic as a pass catcher, but he's vicious as a blocker as well. I think that's the area where he's going to contribute the most early on. He's got to be eased into the passing game a little bit just because he doesn't have a whole lot of experience at that at Notre Dame. But you see the flashes and punches. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, Brevin Jordan is another guy from Miami that I'm very excited about. He puts you in the mindset of John Smith, which we just saw get paid very handsomely from the New New England Patriots. I think he's a very similar player that's cut from a similar cloth as him from a receiving standpoint. Now, he's not going to give you as much as a blocker, but if you're looking for somebody to revolutionize the passing game and be an immediate contributor, I think Brevin Jordan can be that.
0: Jordan, do you have a few favorite guys in, in this draft that would maybe, if it was any other year, be first round picks based on having tape and, and a little bit more uh, looks during this draft evaluation process, maybe a guy who is kind of currently slated in the second or third round that you think could be a, a first round talent.
1: I would say Asante Samuel Jr., the cornerback from Florida state. He, mm. He's a bit shorter, but he's very feisty. Um, I'm sure you have a lot of experience with Casey Hayward. He's a player that reminds me a lot of him uh, when he was coming out uh, a couple years ago. So, uh, I like Asante Samuel Jr. now. He's a little bit smaller. He reminds you a little bit of Jair Alexander when he was coming out of Louisville a couple of years back. So he would be a player that I definitely would stand on the table for.
0: There you go. Hey, when you go back to last year and you see obviously what Justin Herbert did in Kenneth Murray, 16 starts for the Chargers, uh, what was your overall thoughts on, on the seasons that each of them had based on you know your projections going into last year's draft?
1: Well, I wouldn't – I'm not the only one that's going to say this, but I was very surprised by Justin Herbert. Nobody expected him to come in and have the success that he did immediately. Yeah. I thought he was going to need a little bit of time to, you know, get up to the speed of the game and let it slow down a little bit. But I believe it, it was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The the 60-yard throw he made was just unbelievable. And after that point, he just played lights out after that. And he, he was a little bit of a misfit in the Oregon offense, and I learned a lot from him as far as a pre-draft evaluation standpoint in that. He was much better than the scheme that he played in Oregon. And now when they opened up the offense and let him throw the ball much more vertically, I think he was a perfect fit with Mike Williams and Kenan Allen. And I think he's going to continue to get even better. Now with Kenneth Murray, I was a big fan of his film. Uh, You talk about a guy that just flies around and just completely destroys people and just runs all over the football field. I was a big fan of Kenneth Murray coming out. Fantastic story. One of my favorite podium guests at the combine a year ago. He talked about um, saving an individual's life, I believe it was. So he, he has supreme character. Everything you hear about him in the building was that he was just a fantastic leader on and off the field as well. So I think the Chargers did the right thing trading up for him.
0: And Jordan, a couple of years ago, the Chargers drafted Jerry Tillery and Nas Adderley. And obviously Nas coming out of a small school, Tillery from Notre Dame. Where do you think these guys can go in year three, for Nas, it was almost a red shirt year uh, in his rookie year because he was hurt. Uh, Jerry got more snaps and uh, and had some pretty good flashes last year uh, with Brandon Stanley taking over. Based on you know w- what you saw from those guys in college, where do you think they could go in their NFL career? A pivotal year for both of those guys in year three.
1: Yeah, a very big year for Tillery, and he's that strong guy up the middle that you love to see. Very long arms, very savvy, very strong at the point of attack as well. I think he has some developing to do as far as a pass rusher. I think that was one of the biggest question marks about him is if he could just be more consistent as a pass rusher, which is where he has to figure it out the most. And I think he's going to benefit a lot from being a Coach Staley's defense, but I think the biggest beneficiary from Coach Staley's defense is going to be Nas Adderley, just because we know how well he works with defensive backs, going back to his days when he was with the Rams, a lot of versatile type of coverages, and he's just going to be able to play much more freely, You want him playing in that free safety role of just where he can roam from sideline to sideline, So, which is what he was most known for when he was coming out of Delaware a couple years ago. So I think he's going to be a huge beneficiary from this change in defense.
0: And you know what? We have not seen Derwin James and Nas Adderley on the field together because Derwin was hurt last year and then uh, obviously the year before, and then Nas didn't really play his rookie year. So all the talk was pairing these guys together. Year three, we finally get to see it.
1: Absolutely. And I think they have such a complementary skill set. Derwin as that ultimate chess piece, Swiss Army knife of where you can move around a whole bunch. But you have to have that security blanket behind him, which is where we just talked about it. Nas Adderley can be that free safety over the top to where you can move Derwin all over the place. You can blitz him. But it's just a matter of him staying healthy. Everybody knows that he's a special player. We saw it in his rookie season. But if he's able to stay healthy, I think he can return to form of what we saw.
0: All right, Jordan, last thing for you. Listen, we're in the last week of March. It's fun to speculate during draft season. 13 overall, there's a host of guys that the Chargers could kind of home in on. If you had to pick one, and I'm not going to hold you to it because this could change tomorrow, who would it be?
1: So for me, I'm all about protecting the quarterback. And if I had to choose one guy for the Chargers that's realistic, it would be Rashawn Slater. I just think he's a can't-miss prospect. I hate saying the word can't miss, but just because there's no prospect that we know immediately is going to have success. But I just think with the offensive line and the state that it is in right now, I think plugging Slater in at guard or tackle, it doesn't really matter. I think he's kind of, you know exactly what he's going to be at the next level. And his Northwestern film is so dominant, and you have to figure out a way to protect Justin Herbert. So it would be Rashawn Slater. I think he would be a home run pick at the 13th overall selection.
0: Love it, Jordan Reed. The Draft Network. What do you have going on over the next several weeks? Plug your podcast, your articles. Let people know where they can find you.
1: Yeah, so you can find my work on the DraftNetwork.com. We have a lot of things going on right now. We're releasing our positional rankings, big boards every day. We also have our mock draft machine as well. So if you want to put you, if you want to put yourself in the shoes of Tom Telesco, you can mock draft all seven rounds. You can do trades as well. If you want to unlock our premium feature, I believe it's $30, which is very affordable if you have the means to do so. Very addicting. I've done hundreds of <laughs> mock drafts over on the mock draft machine. So if you want to put yourself in the shoes of Tom, Tom Telesco, you're able to do that. Also, check out the Read Option Podcast. That's R E I D Option Podcast. I have stuff that's going up every week. I'm interviewing prospects. Um, I interviewed Greg Newsom the second last week. Uh, I have an interview with Michael Parsons coming up here very soon as well. So I sit down and talk with him prior to Penn State's Pro Day. Also, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Jordan underscore Reed. That's J-O-R-D underscore R-E-I-D. Go find him. Jordan Reed, thank you so much, man. No problem. Thanks as always, Chris.
0: All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. So big thanks to Jordan Reed for joining me. And of course, thanks to you all for listening. Be sure to download and subscribe to the Chargers Podcast Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great weekend. And until next time, I'm Chris Harey.